the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie. Welcome back to the uh, Hard Shoulder. It's uh, me, Mark Agney, and for Ivan Ivory Friday, as you know, on the program at this time. Uh, Ivan takes a look back at the stories that really got him talking over the past seven days. And uh, joining us today on this edition of the Final Four Alone in studio are Jess Kelly, News Talk's tech correspondent, tech guru. You've been elevated. Oh, have I? You have, yes. <laughs> wow, I'll no, take well, anything. No, well, you've moved into the political At least you say now. my name right. Ivan calls me Jez for some inexplicable <laughs> reason. So well done on getting Jess right. It's a Wexford thing. I just think it's an Ivan thing. <laughs> So I said, so <laughs> Kevin Doyle, group political editor of INM, my own mucker from the morning. So how are you, sir? Yeah, good. What have good. you done to yourself? Um, well, it's the radio, so we don't have to tell anyone. <laughs> oh, you do, oh, I see. Top secret. Fearless journalist, my eye. <laughs> He's had surgery. He yeah. looks dramatically different. And Barbara Scully, again, another old mucker of mine from uh, from uh, my Ballymount days, journalist yeah. and broadcaster. Right, listen, uh, we're going to the the topic. This first topic um, has a headline of "Where have all the humans gone?" But I think we might be able to broaden it out into something else. Uh, you might remember this week uh, the story that phones, watches and even Bluetooth uh, could be used to pay for public transport in the future. Now, the National Transport Authority is considering how technology can be used to make journeys cashless, and speeding up commute times, etc., etc. One option is to use Bluetooth or geolocators through a phone to track and calculate fares without even having to tap a card, which means they have even more information about where we're going and what we're doing and even bigger brothers watching us all the time. But it did get us thinking about how uh, we have less and less interaction with other humans, especially in the service industry these days. Uh, Self-service kiosks in shops, fast food chains, tap on, tap off transport, and so on and so on and so on. Is this just the price uh, that we have to pay for convenience in the modern life? Or is there something actually being lost here? And we'll go to the tech guru first. Jess, you. So... uh unsurprisingly I like technology and I like anything that makes my life easier and quicker and gets rid of some of the mundane tasks that it's just a bit of a pain in the face so that you have time to do more meaningful things in general I'm not really fond of talking to people. If I don't have to talk to someone, I won't talk to someone. <laughs> Unless you're being paid for it. Unless I'm being paid. Uh, yeah, that that's usually it. Uh, but no, in terms of day-to-day transactions, if I can get away with sending an email or doing a contactlessly or whatever it is, bring it on. Okay. Um, can I just put one question to you? Fire away. You you enjoy this convenience and you like it because it makes it gives you more time. Yes but we constantly hear you and others complaining about how time poor we are. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm just a money hole. I think a lot of people are. <laughs> and I just think we like having something to give out about. But I do think I buy into the notion of, you know, paying something by contactless rather than having to fumble about for, you know, seven ninety five and you're looking for the five cent coin. Do not have time or interest for that. Mm. I would much rather embrace technology in those ways so that, you know, you can go and have a coffee with a friend on your lunch break because you got into work five minutes earlier or whatever it may be. It's all about what you do with your time, how you spend your time. And I do think if we can embrace tech in certain ways to make things quicker and pain free, then bring it on. But I do think the point that you mentioned there about the handing over of our data is scary. And I'm okay with it because I am the dorky, dorky person who would read up all the terms and conditions and the privacy policies and all the rest so I know what I'm giving away to get these luxuries mm. and these things will make my life easier but a lot of people don't and then in a few months or a few years time we'll all be giving out about another Cambridge Analytica Okay <clears throat> Kevin the, I want to broaden it out um, beyond that 
And if you take the, the, the word convenience, it's, it's just another word for shortcut. It's a, it's a marketing term for shortcut. And, and every time we opt in a, in a mass market sense uh, for, for convenience, we create huge problems in another area. For example, we say packaging, right? Makes our life mm. easier and all the rest of it. Except, of course, we now have so much of it and we don't know how to dispose of it properly that it's actually choking the planet. Um, you talk transport and travel. We can get anywhere we want, faster and quicker, but we're not exercising as much. We've got obesity problems. Our health outcomes are, are worse. So on and so forth. Fast food, convenient food. What? Great, wonderful, except it's really bad for us. So uh, when we talk about convenience and all of the stuff that the modern world is supposed to, to bring us, it benefits us on one level because it makes life easier and makes us lazier. But actually, the, the, the price we're going to pay for it down the road it's colossal and we don't even know what it is. And it could actually be the thing that sows the seeds of our doom. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on your side on this one, I think, Mark. And like the, I think what Jess said is really sad. And if I didn't have a dislocated shoulder, I think I'd give you a hug because it... I wouldn't the, let you because that's the type of person I am. I don't like people. Yeah, I just don't like people. I, I fall into the category of people who can't get off the bus, who feels guilty if I get off the bus without saying thanks to the Oh, driver. I say thanks. I'm not a dickhead. I just don't have time for like unnecessary interactions. You see, I don't believe for a second... That you, that getting you five minutes into work earlier means you go for coffee and have a chat. I don't believe for a second. I'd, I'd say you sit at your computer for five extra minutes or you spend five extra minutes mm. in bed. And, mm. and I think this comes to your point, Mark, which is all these things we do to make our lives easier, we spend looking in a phone or we spend looking at television or we Netflix or whatever it is. And I, I don't think, I, I, I think it would be great if we moved to the idea of a contactless uh, payment like they have in London when you get in the bus or the tube. Um, and it would be far more convenient because you're right about rooting for change, but I don't believe for a second that all this time it's saving us is being put to good use at all. Yeah, I, look, I'm old school in this, Barbara, and and I, I, <laughs> and but, so obviously but, am I. Yeah. No, 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 no. But I'm just I'm trying to explain where I'm coming from yeah. here. And I was brought up to believe that that yes, yeah, some shortcuts are good, but if you take a shortcut, by and large, it's you're not doing it right. You haven't put the time, the hard yards in, which means that you're not going to get the outcome you want. And also, the shortcuts that we're talking about here are dispensing with human beings and more importantly, dispensing with human contact. Well, I'm kind of with Jess on this one, although I do like people and I like talking to people and I'm open to hugs anytime you want to throw them around, Kevin. I can't. Right okay. <laughs> um, was, and certainly, I, I, don't take, I don't take the bus very regularly, uh, but I did have to take the bus last Friday. I spent, and I was at home alone and I spent, I would say, a half an hour when I suddenly had a panic going... I don't have any cash for the bus. I don't have any money to pay the bus. And I literally went around and hunted in every coat pocket and the bottom of every handbag in the entire house before I came up with Why the 3.30. Because I don't take the bus that often. And they expire, don't they, after no. a week? Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll look into that. But I don't have a leap card. But I did think, why can't we pay for our bus fare with our bloody yeah. debit card? Like, that's ridiculous. So I'm all for things that make life easier. There are so many apps on the phone that paying your parking. Um, you know, if you park somewhere, you don't have to go running around for change and go and talk to a machine. You can do it on your phone. There are so many things that I can do on my phone and i totally all up with that, all on for that. The, the human contact that is lost is not coming from apps on our phone or even from technology I would put it to you I think corporate uh, a lot of big corporates decided a decade ago that they were going to do away with human contact we don't have people in the bank anymore unless you really have a big problem you're expected to talk to the machines try and talk to somebody in an insurance company in a utility provider any of those they don't even publish phone numbers anymore that's where but we're missing we human contact we did allow that to happen and that's the bit 
that I have an issue with because sometimes not not everything falls into a black and white kind of a scenario that you can go on and read their FAQs or you can just tick this box or that box or the other box. If you've got something out of the ordinary, the, the amount of time you waste in trying to listen to 500 menus, all of which are designed to distract you and put you off actually remaining on the phone. That's where I think we have the problem, not in technology or apps on the phone. Now, my life is an open book, so I couldn't care less who's tracking my movements wherever, uh, because everybody knows I, because I have a big mouth and I talk about everything anyway. So that end doesn't bother me. But it's the corporate decision to cut people to person to person contact debt that I have a huge problem with. Jess, you, you know how these uh, companies operate better than uh, the rest of us because it's your area of expertise. If when they had started to introduce voice jail, mm. We had said, actually, do you know what? No, if I can't speak to somebody, I'm going to take my business somewhere else. Would we have prevented that or was it going to come anyway? I think it was going to come anyway. And the thing is, you know, when you strip it right back, what they're trying to do is they're they're trying to streamline these processes to a certain extent. And it is a pain in the face when you do press zero and get back on Mm -hmm. to, you know, place 575 in the queue and so on. But I do think that the customer service model for some industries has actually become better because of technology. Name one. Air, I was going to say Aircom for a second, but Air, Air's customer service, and Caroline Lennon has said this herself, has not been great in terms of it's very difficult to talk to a person. Mm -hmm. But if you message them on Twitter, they'll take you into a DM and they will sort the problem out in a number of cases within minutes. That's brilliant if you're a millennial and you know about Twitter. What happened? Hang on a second. Millennials aren't the only (laughs) people on the internet. But what about, 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 you know, your elderly aunt or your mother or whatever? I'm not saying that it's it's the answer. Who's more likely to be at home and suffering, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's the answer to everything. What I'm saying is that by the time my generation are... 60 and 70 this is this yes. will be the norm this yes. is how it's done and it's not saying that it's right that some people are being left behind or can't interact with companies but it is it's the evolution of customer my service. mother my mother is 84 and <clears throat> she now she she she's as regards to technology she's not bad but recently she was trying to interact with some company and I can't remember who it was and they actually told her you need to go on Twitter and have a Twitter account in mm. order for us to process this and DM And I don't like when do you're that. pushed into doing and it. And she was pushed into but having said that she was delighted um, because she now has a whole like mm. more people that she can talk to considering she can't really get out of her yeah. own house very often. I had to deal with one of the uh, the utility companies recently and I spent six days trying to get through. Yeah, that's the kind and of I stuff. I eventually that... did something that I very rarely do which is I used the position that I had in the media to get a contact yeah. and say, how do I get around this? And I got the name of a human person. It was sorted in 40 minutes. A lot of the emails that I would get in to, you know, when I'm on the Pat Kenny show or even to my own show would be, I'm a customer of whatever operator and I cannot speak to a human to either increase my yeah. bill, buy yeah. a new phone, like spend money with yeah, them, exactly. but I have a question about it yeah. and I can't talk to a human. And it's very frustrating. Here's a question. Um, the kinds of companies we're talking about are now they're enormous. Mm. Their their yeah. customer base is enormous. Any of the utilities, the big utilities in this country, will have customer bases of a half a million plus. And I'm just wondering whether there's a thinking at the top level there that look, if we if we pee off ten or fifteen or twenty people today or tomorrow or indeed for the entire week, it doesn't really matter because we've got half a million customers anyway, and she will replace all of those. But also, so in other words, they actually don't care whether whether the customers are satisfied or not. But also, we're really lazy. You know, I have the bank that I'm with destroy my soul to put it mildly uh, because of certain things that they do and the, the certain limitations that they have and I've been saying this for about six years and I haven't bothered moving bank because it's a pain in the face I hear so you every week on Pat Kenny saying move yeah. it's very easy switch, to do switch. 
I'm a hypocrite. You're I'm actually suspiciously quiet in all of this, <laughs> Mr. Doyle. Why? He's I... in pain. <laughs> <laughs> he's sobbing. So he's sobbing silently here beside yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> no, because I, I just, I suppose I look at it from a journalistic point of view slightly, which is that when you send an email to somebody and you ask them questions uh, by way of an interview for an article or for a paper or something and you get back these kind of taught out short answers and then you pick up a phone and you ring somebody the value of actually speaking to yeah. people yes. no, you're yeah. right. um, and the more and more you make it that we don't talk to people um the further away we get from, I don't know where we're going to end up but in this thing. Now, you, no, I, okay, very important point, which is what I kind of hoped this would end up being, mm. and we're not going to sort it, obviously, but there is a philosophical question at the core of all of this. And we, we are living in an age where technology has given us more ways to communicate with each mm. other than at any other time in the history of the planet. More ways of doing it. Still, we have less human and personal interaction with people. We have more information at our fingertips now than ever before, and we are less sure of what's certain. So how has all this technology and convenience actually made our lives better? Has it made it lives better? I've, I've, I see people, you know, people who come into our newsroom on, on work experience and whatever, and they are actually afraid to pick up a phone yeah. and ring somebody because they don't know how to do that basic interaction of I'm calling from such and such and I have a query on X, Y and Z. And it's because all they do is text or WhatsApp or, or email at best. So I don't know where that ends in, in 20 years if people can't pick up the phone and make a basic I also think that call. we're we're in a, a in a period of kind of flux with all this new technology and with social media and all the rest of it. Um, and we, we're like a pendulum perhaps that has kind of mm. swung all the way over here. But I do think it is moving back. that it'll move back into a centre point where we will balance everything out. I think at the moment we're all so busy, you know, we're all so kind of blinded by the ability of with social media of interacting with people you went to school with 40 years ago and various other people um, that that we've swung too far in one direction. I think it will come back into a balance. I would be optimistic and we never do philosophical questions with Ivan's. So this is really refreshing. <laughs> Hang on a second. Oh, that's, listen, I'm glad you said that, Barbara, but that's really, really optimistic because human nature being what it is, the pendulum doesn't swing back to the middle. The sweat, pendulum swings back to the elder extreme side. So my view would be that actually what will happen is, is that something catastrophic will happen. Oh God. Technology will, will, will cause us some real problem or we'll get to a point where we can't trust it at all. And we'll throw all throw it out. Yeah, exactly. It'll be you know the dawn of Luddite. So, so, some whatever. bank will refuse to give us our money for <gasps> weeks. <laughs> oh God! Don't even joke about that. It's already Stop! Happens. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take the news now. Thanks for that, guys. Welcome back to the Hard Shoulder. It's Mark Cagney in for Ivan Yates, and I am joined by Jess Kelly, Barbara Scully, and Kevin Doyle. Now, um, right, who are you going to spend Christmas with, and the politics of Christmas? Um, <laughs> No, oh, oh, and people go, oh, oh, careful, careful. Uh, Jess, I'll start with you. So my Christmas is a very, very, very big thing in my family. And I always just go on lockdown and hang out with my family. So I'll go down to my mum and dad's Is that important house. to you? It's the most important thing. Oh. And does it have to be a certain way? Oh, yeah. And do the players in the tableau have to be the same ones? Everything is the same. So what happens is on Christmas Eve, I'll go down to mum and dad's with uh, the presents and all the rest. Then my dad, my big sister and my brother go into town and they buy my mum's gift, lastminute.com, every year. Then while they're out, mum and I will sort the house, all the rest. Then I put on what we call Christmas Eve food, which is all like little bits and pieces. Mm. And uh, then mum and I'll sit down, watch a film. They'll come home and that's our Christmas Eve. Christmas Day is a big thing people come over Steve like it's just we go on to lockdown and because you know like Kevin I, I'd work probably a lot and I'm not I'm not as home even though they have five minutes from me I'm not as home as much as I'd like to be I travel a lot so when I go when Christmas comes around the 
phone goes off and I just like go back to being 12 years old and hanging out with my mum and dad and it is my favourite. I don't go out. That's I'm lovely. Not, oh, it's yeah. so nice. That's lovely. How long does the phone stay off for? Oh, for the whole Christmas break. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many days? Uh, like however long I get out of the office, like six days. Wow. So yeah. that that's rehab basically for you, is it? Detox. I'm not an actual addict, but uh, <laughs> no, I do. I just shut off social media and it's 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 very good for my soul. Would you not try it a few more times in the year? Too busy. Ah, Me millennials, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. The what worst. about you, Kev? Um, well, we have the... <clears throat> my Christmas actually quite like Jess's in the sense that it's always go home to Offaly and... and there's a very set kind of process. What, there's a safety blanket in knowing exactly where you are at yeah. every moment on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Stevens' Day. But since I got married, it's it's messed the whole thing up. Like <laughs> The politics. Ooh, yeah. This yeah. is where the politics comes into it because now people have expectations around... There's diplomacy involved. Yeah, who you have to see. So last Christmas was the first Christmas uh, uh, married. And so we spent the whole Christmas on the road. Um, in the sense that so like Christmas Eve at home is a big day in our house because that's the day everybody calls over Mm. and all the rest of it and then you go to the pub in the village uh, town I say village and everyone gives out to me at home uh, on on Christmas Eve and that's when you see everybody you went to school with and that you haven't seen since last Christmas Eve Uh, and then Christmas Day is just ourselves dinner fire nothing else turf fire you know proper carbon climate change doesn't matter that day (laughs) and uh, and then Stevens' Day you do the mile and you go to the pub again or whatever but it's uh, yeah, so last year we spent it going from Offaly to Wicklow, back to Offaly, oh back to Wicklow, and it was kind of trying to like please everybody. So this year's is under negotiation at the minute. Oh dear. So I don't want to say too much yet, Mark, okay. uh, till, till we're a bit Are further you optimistic? Down. That's what I'm optimistic. To, I'm that's optimistic. What hap- that's what happened to shoulder, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> now, Barbara. I would, yeah. I'm assuming, I, I, I don't know what your family circumstances are, right, but I know that you've a grown-up family, so I'm assuming that um, you because mothers tend to be, are the, the centre and heart of Christmas in your family, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's why it's one of the reasons why over the last few years I've started to kind of hate Christmas because oh, it's really? too much bloody hard work. I feel, and it is mainly bloody you, you women who it. do it. Now, this year, I really love it, but I've had a love-hate. Why? why this year? Because my granddaughter's yes. coming ah, home from Australia, and so Santa's going to be back in my <laughs> house, and the magic is going to be back, and I'm currently running around booking panto tickets and trips to Santa, and where can I get an extra stocking, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm very excited about this Christmas, but, and I love Jess's picture of Christmas. It sounded lovely. Yours sounded a bit strange. Um, <laughs> but Well, it's, um, early, it's early doors It's marriage. early doors, that, yeah. That that's always, yeah, it'll settle us, yeah. into a pattern. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I honestly do feel, and I, I tweeted this because I didn't turn my phone off. I tweeted this last year straight after Christmas, and I got an absolute. It was probably the most abuse I've ever gotten. Where I shout out to everybody who made Christmas happen for their families, who did the shopping, who did the presents, who bought the food, who cooked the food, who did the whole works, and it's usually women. And yay, and I got absolutely a torrent of abuse. But it is mainly women, um, and so yeah, I do. Yeah, think but, uh, well, in, in defence of men, if you stick your oar in, you get your nose yeah, taken off. Yeah, no, true. Um, but I, I, yeah, so I just think Christmas had become this like just this huge big hard work, mm. you know, cooking and. Pre- I mean, Christmas Eve is all about preparing the food, like mm. the mountains but of potatoes. But you've got family. Peel. You should have loads of people to Yeah, no, with. yeah. well, I've only two of them at home. And that was the other thing I think that coloured Christmas. To me, Christmas is about family. And it, it, my mother always comes to us. My uncles come to us for Christmas. But the person I always want at the table is my daughter, who's, not, who's usually not here. And I can get used to her not being here every day of the year, except Christmas Day. And Christmas Day, mm. when you have to get up and you have to throw the turkey and I'm a vegetarian into the oven and then you have to ring my daughter in Australia because it's that's the only time just pick your favourite child on air 
What? No. But the <laughs> and, other two, and over her mother. Excuse me. The other two are at home. If anybody was missing, I would feel the same. Don't try to. Do you that know the way any me. family gathering can kind of open old wounds or cause new yeah. ones? I think you've just torn a gash. <laughs> no, I haven't. My girls would absolutely agree with me. We all miss her terribly on Christmas all right, Day. Listen, the part of the reason this came up during the course of the week was, of course, uh, um, we now know that Meghan and Harry are not going to spend Sandringham. Um, or spend Christmas in Sandringham Thank with God we know that though because mm. I was so worried about yeah, it I'm yeah, so glad yeah, right. that we know but, but the real question is where's Andrew going to spend it and more importantly <laughs> I'd love to know that actually who I wants like him to know that. Fergie <laughs> well now do you know it used to be interesting right because Fergie um, was, wasn't was allowed into Sandringham in, yeah. in the years of disgrace yeah. right they used to put her in some I don't know some gamekeeper's house or something <laughs> down the estate on the periphery I suspect this year she'd be more welcome yeah. in the big house than I he reckon would. she yeah. would yeah I reckon she's thrilled although mind you never underestimate a mother's love because photographed today I think it was uh, put it up on one of the news sites who was seen out with his mammy riding mm, yeah. on the horses yeah, Elizabeth go. and Andrew Nothing like nothing like your favourite son. My son, my son. You see, even the royal family aren't immune. No. All right, listen, we need to take a break. We'll be back after these. Welcome back. It's the Hard Shoulder and we're on the final furlong. I'm Mark Cagney and for Ivan Yates and I'm joined by uh, Jess Kelly, uh, Barbara Scully and Kevin Doyle. Now, are you... In gen- I'm asking this in general, but also specifically the panel here. Are you a fan of emojis? Uh, apparently, um, they've gone very mainstream and you can now take university courses. Uh, and you can uh, go on these courses and get a chance to study emojis. And uh, some very, um, um, very, very bright, intellectually uh, um, um, highly educated people say that we shouldn't underestimate them. There is more to them than first meets the eye. That's all well and good. I go, hang on a second here. Are, are we intellectually going in reverse? I mean, we started out in the caves with symbols. <laughs> then we evolved language. And then language and expression became the highest form of human expression and it it separated us from all the other lower species and now we're to go back to symbols again. Mm. No, I'm not I'm being serious about this. Oh no, I agree with you. I absolutely hate emojis. And, and I, this is from a tech guru. This is from a tech guru you millennial speak person emoji. who has too many emotions to actually express herself <laughs> but has a like an absolute disdain for emoji. The only emoji that I really love is the little the smiley face but has the line across instead of a smile. We call it the awkward hum face. So it's just kind of like hmm as in when someone says something that doesn't land or it's basically like a resting bitch face in an emoji oh. which I very much identify with. Okay. So that's the only one that I use because you can't express that Okay, in any other way than with that emoji, Kevin and and indeed uh, Barbara, the two of you. This is how you make your living. Yeah, it's with the words. use of language with words, and when you know when it's a it's a great piece of writing, whether it's essay, a prose, poem, journalism, or whatever. Surely it's the highest form of human expression. I I absolutely hated emojis. Refused to use them for years and years, and I eventually caved because it's just it's happened. It, there's no way of avoiding it now. Well, the thumbs um, up one is very handy. There's no question about that. Ivan yeah. uses that to shut you up, though. If you text <laughs> Ivan and he doesn't yeah, care what you're saying, <laughs> you just get the thumbs up. Which yeah, means, yeah. Please over go away. Conversation. Any chance of a loan of a fiver? Thumbs yeah, up. Thumbs yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. The uh, yeah. So I, I've kind of given into it because there's no way around this. The ship has sailed, and if you're not on it, well, then you're just not there. So. Um, I, I've given into it but you're right you do wonder like does it come to the day I remember one time actually in a, in a, you know when political scandals happen or mm. meetings happen there's a row and um, you, so you ring around politicians or you text them going what do you think of that meeting da, 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 da. and someone just sent me there was some I can't remember what it was but I remember one politician sent me back the crying face emoji <laughs> 
and I didn't really know how to like you know quote Interpret that in the newspaper. You should have printed it. I was writing the piece and I was just like, one senior party uh, member replied. <laughs> Crying emoji face. <laughs> I actually just I wrote crying emoji face. Was it crying face. with laughter now or crying with misery? No, no, with, with, with tears and badness. This wasn't Timmy Dooley recently, was it? <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't Timmy Dooley. It was a Fine Gael story, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, so I mean, it's just part of what we do now, I suppose. But I, I do hope it doesn't seep into newspapers or... or I suppose it's already into emails, isn't okay, it? Okay, oh, yeah. Barbara, they, they, this... Um, this doctor sergeant, a professor sergeant from a, um, a university in the UK was saying, listen, there's a moral panic around emojis, uh, that they're ruining the way children are learning and ruining the language. This is a perennial worry about new forms of language. Uh, there was some concern or the same concern about texting 10 years ago. And this is his point, right? And then I go, yeah, and now we have a generation who can't spell properly and don't know where to put a comma. Well, can I just put my hand up and say, like, I'm very old and I can't spell properly and I left school not being able to spell properly and I still can't spell properly and thank God I have spell check that I can check how to spell things. The amount of time I'm writing something and I have to check how do I actually spell that word is incredible. Without technology, I would be sunk completely. Um, I'm not a fan of emojis in the way I'm not a fan of, like, letters of the alphabet. I mean, to me, it's just... You know, I, and again, I'm interested in what Jess has to say. Obviously, as you get older and your eyesight goes south, you can't really see a lot of the emojis anyway, yeah. exactly what the difference is between them. So I would have a very um, small uh, uh, repertoire of emojis that I may use. They are handy if you're texting, especially when you think you're very funny and perhaps other people don't think you're that funny. So you have to put the, the laughing so one in. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say me or you? Oh. Me. Um, there thanks. goes the other shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's fine. Possibly um, I'll store that up, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, but I don't worry that it's going to affect our language or our ability. Really, don't you? No, I don't. Uh, because, well, first of all, I think language always evolves. Our way of communicating always evolves. But I still think book sales are fantastic. We love books. We love writing. Writing, we love reading but we need good to writing. acknowledge that technology and what it brings can coexist alongside yes. these things like yes, writing. So, so my niece is four and yeah. she like she's so clever in terms of uh, she, like I love writing lists and so on Saturdays when we hang out we write lists together and she has her pen and her paper but she can also then take my phone open the camera yeah. and go out and take pictures of the tomatoes that we're growing because we're growing tomatoes so she's using technology to capture a real life thing that we're doing and then going down and writing it on her list with her pen and pencil so it's not or pen and paper so it's not that you know you can only be a tech yes. person or you can only be a real person who reads books it really frustrates me when you know if I'm travelling I'll put up on Twitter does anyone have any book recommendations yeah. for my Kindle and people will go back going why don't you read a real book like firstly oh, well, they nonsense. are real books but also yeah, you can't carry ten of them on the train view, with you can you I just think people sometimes take a little whack at technology yeah. for the sake of it. No, no, no. I, and I'm I, not defensive at all about no. it. It's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. And by the way, she took her phone out uh, to demonstrate that while okay. she was saying this. You couldn't see it on the radio, but she also copped a, a <laughs> sneaky peek as well. I did, yeah. No message. God, you fine. really have it bad, God. There's no question about it. And no, no, but there is a, an, an element. And I, I meant that about the texting and all the rest of it. And I know there was a big outcry, but all people are, you know, they're not spelling properly and all the rest of it. But we do now have a generation who actually can't spell properly and can't punctuate properly. I don't agree. And I, well, no, hang but on a second. The goalposts have shifted. Well, they have. A, and and I, do you know what? I fully accept that maybe emojis and text language are a new language that we have to learn because that's the way it's evolving. But we also do have this other wonderful language that we have used, which some of the greatest things that have ever been written, dreamed up, thought up uh, about li life, love, death, uh, uh, the meaning of life. And it's there in that language. And 
what do we move away from that do we forget no, that they can coexist yeah. and like we have a generation of people who would be older who but if we have a new generation who can't actually um, um, read that stuff properly and understand it aren't they conversant do. in that they language do okay. I mean book sales for kids are still huge I mean you know you look at like all of the big franchises for kids books and they sell really really well kids are still reading and kids start reading when they're very small they won't it won't replace and they like the hard copy too don't they they do yeah. they like yeah. the hard copy and it's the same with most people I mean I love having a Kindle for travelling but most people prefer to actually read a physical book I was saying this to Kevin outside about newspapers as well I prefer to read an actual newspaper than it on on a screen mm-hmm. but Shinshke mm. Lella Right just very quickly before we go um, I, I spent 20 years of my working life up to very recently obsessing about um, yeah. sleep and sleep patterns yes. uh, and I'm just wondering um, for those of you who kind of live in the normal sort of 9 to 5 world mm. is it an obsession do you feel you get enough sleep do you do you think you're sleeping the right way do you know what the right pattern is for you I'm a really bad sleeper and so I am a that's bit your of, phone Jess no it, well it is <laughs> but it's also the millennial brain it is no I genuinely believe no, this she's and a millennial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen Anyway. You said that about a half an hour yeah. ago to you and you nearly spat yeah. at Because you were saying it in a derogatory no, way. No, I was not. Don't, no. We Can we rewind what you the said tape? Can we rewind the tape? <laughs> anyway, no, so I'm a very bad sleeper and I'm somebody that I don't like being bad at things. And so I, I obviously wear a lot of Fitbits and so on for and wearables for review purposes. And about a year ago, I was using one and I started looking at the sleep stats and I started getting really competitive with myself <laughs> trying to sleep better so that my sleep That's score a really good would way get to go better. to sleep yeah be competitive about it but then I was worrying that I wasn't going to do well so I wasn't sleeping because Just I was worried. what time would you get up in the morning so I'm up at quarter past five every morning holy okay. cow right yeah. now do you think that's too early no it's perfect my brain stops working around two o'clock in the afternoon when are you most productive First thing in the morning. So I come into the office every morning. I try to be here from between half six and seven and I get my best work done in the, in the no, early No, was it like day. that before this particular work pattern? No, I so ever I started working in news talk back when I was 19. So ever since then, I've kind of worked that pattern and I find that my brain is just best when it's early mornings. Okay, Kevin, what about you? See, I messed up because a bit like you, I spent, I worked in the evening Herald for for a good five years so I was getting up at half four in the morning and you just got used to constantly being tired mm. so you were never you were never like people would go did you, did you not like to die in the afternoon no you kind of just learned to function um, but it was I, I don't think I have a most productive time of the day because whatever is my deadline it'll yeah. be the two hours before that mm. so right now if I'm writing for the Irish Independent and you're kind of getting to six o'clock in the evening, six till nine in the evening could be my most productive hours, even though I could be in the office at seven in the morning. And it's it's just that's wherever I need a kind of a an end target. But um, yeah, I'm a bit like Jess. I wear the Fitbit and, and I do that thing where I now stress that I didn't get enough deep sleep last night. And then that <laughs> makes me tired yeah. because I'm thinking. It's the worst. Oh, oh, you, Barbara? I am in the glorious position now that I finished the school run after 30 years of it uh, this year. I no longer set an alarm if I don't have to be somewhere at a particular time, which most days I don't because I work from home. But would you wake automatically I would anyway? Be, well, yeah, I mean, I would wake somewhere naturally, somewhere between eight and half eight usually. Um, and that is just blissful I'm I'm horrified at, what at time do you normally up. go to bed do you, have a... you see that's the problem now I've always been a night owl so I love when the house goes quiet from when the kids were smaller yeah. and everybody's gone to bed and my husband is like you he kind of panics about not getting enough sleep which is totally self-defeating so he goes up and tosses and turns for hours whereas I'd stay down and watch you know whatever on the telly and then I have I have to go out I have to give um, the animals all their treats their nighttime treats before they go to sleep and then I have to go out and feed my foxes so by the time I do all that and then very often I'd have a bath so it could be half one by the time I'm actually getting into bed uh, but I quite like that so um, yeah what was the question? <laughs> 
I'm wrecked after just listening to that. I'm like, please stop. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? You need to go back on the drink. <laughs> bottle of wine and bed by 11. Do you know the, the sad fact is as you get older, uh, um, having a bottle of wine, which would have probably knocked you out and knocked you out, you can't sleep. You two. sleep for two hours and then you wake up. Do you find that? No. no. Okay. <laughs> Anybody who's uh, listening who okay. has uh, sleep issues, yeah. get this on podcast and listen back to it. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be wow. exhausted. I hope you mean you'll be exhausted, not bored. Listen, thank you uh, all very much. That was thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, it, was a, it was a great way to spend a uh, Friday evening. Jess Kelly, News Talks, tech guru. Kevin Doyle, uh, uh, group political editor at INM, Barbara Scully, journalist and broadcaster. And that's your lot from the hard shoulder for this week. My thanks to the production team, Mark Simpson, Ashley Moore, Dan Flanagan, Alex Russo and John O'Donovan. Off the ball is up next. Ivan will be back on Monday. Have a great and more importantly, safe weekend.